Well done. I want to ask you a question this morning. Uh, what was your prayer life like last week? What was your prayer life like last week? What was it like? What was it like? What was it like? Think about it. Just have a think, a moment. When did you pray? How did you pray? Did you pray? One day, two days, three days, five days, ten minutes, half an hour, not at all. What was your prayer life like last week? Okay. Now, I'm not trying to be offended. I don't know whether it was good or bad. I have no idea. I'm not God, right? But whatever your prayer life was last, last week, that was probably, that's probably ordinary, wasn't it? It wasn't a special week or anything. I mean, it might have been a special, but that was, that's probably your ordinary prayer life as it was last week. Are you with me? That's how what you actually did. What you did last week, the last seven days, was probably, you know, for that week, that was ordinary for you, whether it was a lot or a little or whatever. This morning, at the end of when I talk, I am going to tell you a way how you can go from whatever your ordinary week's prayer was last week to next week having an extraordinary prayer week. Does anybody want an extraordinary prayer week last week? I mean, if not, you might as well sleep, right? Just shut your eyes, enjoy the moment. But if you think back to last week and think, okay, that was ordinary. I'm not saying it was bad. I'm not saying it was good. I'm just saying it was ordinary because that's what you did the last seven days. I'm just saying by the end of this morning, I'm going to tell you a way how you can go from the ordinary to the extraordinary. I hope. Because we are starting, uh, as been said, a four-week looking at this subject of prayer. And prayer is all about communicating with and connecting with the living God, the living God that we've been worshipping this morning, the one who's made and sustains the whole world. And if you're a Christian, he is also your father, and he loves you, as we've heard this morning, and he knows everything about you, and he's interested in every detail of your life. Let me give you a, a, a simple example of this from my own life. Uh, our youngest daughter, Jordan, is living at home at the moment. And a couple of months ago, her and Hannah, here, Hannah, who led worship this morning, they wanted to rent a flat in Oxted or Surrounds. And they looked and they tried to find it. And they were praying. And I was praying. And Jane was praying. And Tim and Carrie, Mum and Dad, were, we're all praying. Lord, give them the flat. Lord, give them the flat. And it was a bit slow. Nothing seemed to happen, did it? These flats came up. They, could they, people said, no, too far away. It just didn't work out. And I think Jordan, who had been on right move every day, on, every day, every day on right move, every day, I think she maybe got a little bit kind of despondent with it, which is understandable. And we were coming up to Christmas, and we were coming up to, and I think it was the night before her birthday, and I was sat upstairs in our house, and some of you might know that we moved last year. So... And I was sat there and I heard what I've over the years thought, realized is the, is the voice of God, just a little nudge. You know that little nudge from God? You know, why don't you, why don't you do this, why don't you do that? And I felt God say to me, why don't you look at right move? So I got on my iPad and I put Oxted for sale and I started to flick through the houses on right move for sale in Oxted. And then I suddenly realized, God, why am I doing this? We've bought a house. We moved last year. Why am I looking at right move for houses in Oxted? And God said, it's for Jordan. So I changed and clicked for rent in right move. 
And I looked through, and the last one there was a flat for rent in Oxted above the estate agents on the high street in Payne & Co. And I, wow, wonder whether that might work for Jordan and Hannah. I'll tell her tomorrow. So I went, because it was late, I went to sleep, got up in the morning. I think it was her birthday that morning. And as I, as I prayed for her that morning about her birthday, I prayed, God, the best birthday present that you could give her is that her and Hannah could have the flat. And I didn't think about the right move thing, the, the flat, till I got downstairs and saw Jordan and said to her, oh, hun, have you checked right move recently? She said, no, I haven't checked it for two weeks. I said, well, check it, because there's one I saw last night, felt God prompt me, told her the story, have a look. Uh, there, there, there's a flat there um, above Payne & Co. All right, she said. Well, Hannah and Jordan moved in yesterday. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? See, God is interested. God is interested. And when we pray and communicate and listen and talk to him, sometimes it takes some time and there's things we've got to pray through and da-da-da, but actually he has all the answers. And, uh, and he can lead and he can guide and he can make a way where others can't make a way. So in some ways it's a silly example, in some ways it's a perfect example. Because God is interested in every area of our life and every area of our life he wants to and will speak to us about. When I think about prayer, if I take the example of marriage, if my wife and I, Jane, didn't spend time together, didn't talk with one another, or if we only spoke to each other when there was something wrong, there was an issue, there was a problem, something to sort out, then you would rightly question the quality of our relationship. Because the quality of our relationship is so affected and so demonstrated by how we communicate to one another with each with one another regardless of the fact that we've got a piece of paper that says we're married it's not really the marriage certificate that people look at when you look at a, a, a marriage what you really look at is the quality of the communication the quality of the relationship and really that is what our christian lives are about it's, it's not about simply saying, I got saved 28 days ago, 47 years ago, whatever. Wonderful though that is. It's not about really saying, I got baptized on this date, though wonderful that is. No, no, no. The, the thing is this, it's about the quality. It's about the depth of our relationship with God. And that is both built on and it's demonstrated and it finds, it, it, it earths itself in our ongoing communication with him. It's about hearing his voice. It's about listening to what he's saying. It's about processing with God the joys and the wonders and the fantastic things, but also the pain and the hurt and the disappointments. It, it's about seeing his power at work in our lives. It's about him leading and guiding us. And all of that comes through prayer. And we're going to look at this over the next four weeks, and I'm just going to kick off this morning by looking at the subject, why pray? And spurred on by Richie showing uh, the two Ronnies four candles sketch, this one's not quite so funny, but it is an animation about the fact that everybody prays. So I wonder, could somebody hit the lights, and we'll see whether we can play this short two-minute animation.
In a word, maybe not then. It doesn't matter. It's not a problem. Don't worry. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Well, yeah, we'll move on. I was just going to show you a fantastic animation, but... Is it still going? No, no, we'll leave it. Don't worry. End the, end the animation. Leave it. Turn the lights on. Don't worry. It's fine. It was no problem. Everyone prays, right? If you see something of a great beauty, an amazing sunrise, a, a, a newborn baby. I was walking this morning around the glee field at the back of uh, Limpsfield, and it was, one of, it was 8 o'clock, the sun was just coming up, and it was one of those cold, crisp, clear, beautiful mornings. And immediately, something in my heart just kind of rose to God. It, sometimes, when I was in the police force, I would, I would encounter people who were in great moments of great distress or danger. And the reality is this, they, they often would cry out or scream out or speak out to God, whether they believed him or in him or not. Because I think there's something hardwired into us as human beings that God put there, that actually there are moments when we encounter something in life that so overwhelms us, whether it's overwhelmingly incredible or overwhelmingly terrible, in essence, what bubbles up from inside of here and comes out of here is a plea, is a cry to God. And we as Christians know that that is to the God of the Bible. That is the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. People who don't know him, don't believe him, wouldn't even, wouldn't even acknowledge a God in those moments, often cry out to him. I was told that the word for prayer comes from the Latin word precarus or precarious. If you're a Latin student and I'm wrong, please come and tell me. But that's what I was told. And we get the word precarious from that Latin word precarus. And the truth is, I think we pray because life is precarious. Actually, there are things in life that are too big for us to get our heads around, to get our hearts around. Things that are either too wonderful and we don't know what else to do, and so we, we admit something to God, or things that are so terrible and distressing, we don't know what to do. And so what comes out of our mouth is something to God. We can't seem to help it. But Jesus' teaching on prayer began, actually, when his disciples came and asked him to help them to pray. They come to him and they say, Lord, teach us to pray. And it's worth noting, Jesus' disciples didn't come and ask him to teach them how to preach or heal or witness or plant churches, but they came and asked him, teach us how to pray. Because I think they realized that his prayer life was the key and the source of everything that Jesus did. He walked and talked with God every day. And because he did that, he was able to heal, to teach, to witness. Jesus seemed to know where to go, when to go, when to speak, when to be silent. It's like he always knew and was about his father's business. And I think the disciples realized the reason why you know that is because of your prayer life, because of your communication with the Father. 
And so actually they come in humility. They realize that they need help, not just with the mechanics, but with actually doing this in their everyday lives. They realized they didn't know and they wanted to be taught. And so they come to Jesus and they humbly ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. And I don't know about you, but that is my prayer for myself. Lord, teach me to pray. I, I, I think particularly in, maybe in the West, when I read stories and books and hear people talk about prayer, our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world, I think, man, I think in terms of prayer, they are on another, another level to us. They, like, they just understand it much more than I think we do. And so this is my prayer for me. It's my prayer for you. Lord, teach us to pray. Because like Kevin said with his fantastic little skit, talking to himself, at times prayer is difficult. It's easy to give up. It's easy for the three Ds of disappointment, distraction, discouragement to come in and to stop us from praying. So we need Jesus to help us, to teach us. And in response to the disciples' heartfelt plea to Jesus, he taught them what you and I probably know as the Lord's Prayer, which we find in Luke 11, verse 1 to 4. I put it in your notes there. So it says this, Luke 11, 1 to 4. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. So we start with the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to think about it a bit like a toolbox, a bit like a map. A bit like a toolbox, a bit like a map. See, when I was at school, uh, I wasn't a Christian, family didn't go to church, but I learned the Lord's Prayer at school. But I learned it just like a collection of words. I could have been speaking German. I could have been reading the back of a cornflake packet. I, the words meant nothing to me. Not, it wasn't even that I didn't care. I wasn't pro or anti. It, we're now going to pray the Lord's Prayer. We all stood up. Ma, 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 ma. That was how it was. Now, listen, I believe there is great blessing and benefit in saying, reciting the words of the Lord's Prayer, just as it's written. And I do it on a daily basis. I, I actually now understand what I'm saying. And so that is tremendously helpful. I'm a big fan of praying the Lord's Prayer. But I also think that the Lord's Prayer and what, and, and what I think Jesus kind of gave it for was not just to be said as it's written, though that's a great thing. I think he intended it to be used more like a map or more like a toolkit in terms of our communication. I think it's like a map in that, you know, when you pull out a map and you look at where you could go, oh, I could go there, or I could go there, oh, I could, I could visit there. And then when you look at a map, you start, to, oh, I could, I could, I could. I think there's something of that about it. Or the same thing put another way, it can be a bit like a toolbox in terms of our communication, with like different tools being helpful for communicating with God or focusing on God. I mean, just think about if you called 
a tradesperson to your house and they turned up and all they had was a hammer. That was it, a hammer. And say you'd call them to come and fix the plumbing. And they walk in, you say the plumbing doesn't work. And they say, right, okay, fantastic. You might say, uh, have you not got any other tools? No, no, I've got a hammer. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to sort out this heating system. You might just say, out the door. Why? Because it's not an appropriate tool, maybe, for everything you might need to fix a boiler. I think the Lord's Prayer has got some different tools in it that help us in terms of prayer. So let's just walk through them together. This map toolbox idea of the Lord's Prayer. It starts with our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So if you like, the first place on the map or the first tool in the box is worship. It's adoration. It's praise. It's thanks. That's where you start with. So in that moment, you might, you might sing. You might worship. You might get down onto your knees. You might write down the things that God's done for you because this first where you start is, is with him and praising him and adoring him and thanking him. Next one Jesus moves on to, he says, is your kingdom come, your will be done. So it moves on to intercession. Now, intercession is when you're asking God to intervene in someone else's life or in, or in, or in someone else's situation. You're asking for his kingdom to come, his will to be done in that person's life or in that situation. That's what Jane and I were doing when we prayed for Hannah and Jordan. We were interceding for them. God, won't you give them a flat? 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 That's what we were doing. We were interceding for them. Asking God for his kingdom to come, his will to come. So intercession is about asking God for the needs of others. You're interceding on their behalf. So it could be your friend who's got a bad leg. It could be the war in Ukraine. It doesn't matter the size, scope, scale, location of what's going on. If something is going on in someone's life or something's going on in the world and it's not right, it's not as God's kingdom would be, then we get the opportunity. No, we are commanded to pray, God, let your kingdom come. God, let your will be done. So that is intercession. Notice it's the second tool in the box. It's the second one on the list. It's where the map takes us after the first one of worship. We begin with God, and second, we move to others. Then it moves on, give us today our daily bread, which is petition. See, petition is about asking God to intervene in our lives to provide for what we need, both physically and materially, but also spiritually as well. And notice Jesus underlines it. He says this tool is to be used daily. Give us today our daily bread. I don't think Jesus is saying don't do the other stuff on the other days. I think he just wants to make a point, wants to underline, you need to pray to me each day for your physical and your spiritual needs. And when I think about daily bread, I do think about bread. I think about food. I think about physical stuff. Pretty soon you're praying about your, your, your needs, whether it's money or hearing or job or clothes or whatever it may be. 
And I think Jesus absolutely intends us as Christians to look to him every day to provide what we need day by day by day. But I also think that he meant us to ask for our spiritual food. Give us spiritual bread. Give us things that will refresh our souls, that will build our faith. Give us wisdom for decisions that we need to take. Give us grace to act and speak how he would have us act and speak. So we are to petition God every day for what we need in that day, daily bread. And the truth is, many of us don't need to pray for physical bread in the cupboard. We've probably got that. Many of our brothers and sisters around the world, that's probably their first prayer. They need physical bread in their cupboards. Most of us have got physical bread in our cupboards. But we still need to pray for our physical needs, and we also need to pray for love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and grace and wisdom and boldness and steadfastness and perseverance and persistence. We need to pray for those things. That's the third tool. That's the third destination on the map. I think it keeps us in a place of humility because otherwise the great danger I find is that I forget God. I feel like I can do life on my own. Things are going okay. My job's all right. Things seem all right. And very quickly, very quickly, I realize I'm not lifting up my own life, my own needs, physical or spiritual, before God. And what's really happened there is I've become proud. I think I know best and can do best. And God, I don't really need you. It's a very dangerous place to get. So I want to encourage you. Pray for your daily bread. The next one Jesus moves on to is deliver us from evil. He talks about forgiveness, talks about resisting temptation, the devil. Really, this is about spiritual warfare. This is about being aware and armed for the battle that we're in if we're Christians. That the devil is real and he's nasty and he's a liar and he wants to kill and steal and destroy and he knows you and he knows your weaknesses and if he can drop that thing into your head and your heart that will shake your faith he will do it so we need to put on the armor of God and we need to fight and we need to stand and we need to know what the devil's schemes are if any of you have done a freedom in Christ course recently and I know many of you have that course is all about this that course is like an expanded version of Jesus' simple prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's really what it is about. So in answer to the disciples saying to Jesus, teach us how to pray, can you see he gives them just a few short statements. And they don't look like much in themselves. And you could say them in 25 seconds like I used to say them when I was a child at school. But actually, these statements can open up and basically form an umbrella by which you can pray about the whole of life. The whole of life. In preparing for this talk, I looked at something called the prayer course from a guy called Pete Gregg, who started something called 27-4 Prayer back in 1999. And now is a prayer movement that's gone right the way around the world, teaching and encouraging Christians to pray. And they've made their eight-session prayer course freely available on the internet. 
It's got eight sessions. Each session has got some questions to think about, some Bible verses, and a 20-minute video. And quite a lot of what I've taken this morning is their first session on why pray. And I tell you that because there's so much rubbish on the internet, it's unbelievable. But just occasionally, I find a gem. And one of the gems is the fact that there is some great teaching like this that is available on the internet. And you can use it if you want to in the comfort of your own home, at your own pace. And I want to recommend to you the prayer course. And I've put, actually, which we'll look at a bit later, some of their resources on the other side of your notes. Don't look there now, but we'll have a look in a minute. It's all there for you. In other words, if you want to grow in prayer, there, this is a great resource that you could do on your own or with others over the course of this term. And when they start talking about prayer, they talk about keeping it simple, keeping it real, which I think Brian mentioned earlier, and keeping it up. They say your prayer life really is at its best when it's simple when it's real, and when it's happening. It can be simple because we don't need to impress God. As we heard earlier, his love for us is unconditional. God is not very impressed by our good or our bad, by just to let you know that. He loves us, and he wants us to do the right thing and not the wrong thing, but he's not particularly impressed, as it were. We're not trying to impress God. We're not trying to earn brownie points from God, get a gold star. It's not what we are trying to do. He's our father and he loves us. He's a bit deeper than that. Just want to let you know. And we can keep it real with God because we can never fool him. What are you going to hide from God? I mean, if you did it or you thought it, he knows. That's comforting, isn't it? And slightly scary, is it not? But it just means we can be real before God because he knows. And we can keep at it because he's always interested, always interested in our lives. So let's just think about those three things. Keep it simple. Pete Gregg, the guy who started 24-7, he, he, he tells a story how it all started for him. was one day he was walking down the street and he heard that still small voice of God speaking to him like I did about right move. And the voice of God said to him, look at that tree. So he stopped on the street and he looked at the tree. And he said, there's nothing special about the tree. It's just a normal tree. But I'm, I'm thinking, wow, God's going to do something. You know, the tree might disappear, rise, burn. I don't know. The, the tree. And he's standing there and nothing's happening. And he's starting to feel a bit conscious of himself. People are walking around him on the pavement. And uh, he's looking at the tree. And so eventually he says, God, why am I looking at this tree? And he hears God say to him, oh, I just thought it was a good one. <laughs> just thought it was a good tree. And he said he went out back and he meditated and he thought, was that the very lowest point of my prayer life with God? Or was it the very height of it? And he said he got to thinking about Adam and Eve, who uh, actually walked in, in, in the garden with God. And there was no sin, no sickness. They weren't worried or anxious about anything. So there's Adam, there's Eve, and there's God, and they're walking in the garden. And Pete Gregg says, he said, what do you think they spoke about? Nice tree, that one, God. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I mean, Adam probably said, well, thanks for Eve. She's great. She is. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Eve probably said, oh, God, thanks for Adam. He's great. He is. Could you, what did they talk about? Because they didn't have any of the stuff that Pete Gregg, he often spends lots of time talking to God about. Now, I'm not saying, and he's not saying, that we shouldn't talk to God about all the bad stuff, right? The things that break our hearts, the sin, we should. We should be talking to God about that stuff. But life is so much more than just that stuff. What are we going to talk to God about when we get to heaven if all we're used to talking to him about is, I need more of this, I need more of that. What about this? What about that? That's the kind of point that he's making. I told this story a few days ago with a group of leaders, and one of them said, yeah, that's absolutely true, fantastic. But the flip side is also true that it's only now in this life today that we actually get the opportunity to live in a world full of sin and yet still choose to worship and trust God. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? I mean, worshiping and trusting God when I get to heaven is going to be wonderful, but it's not going to be difficult. So these days are the only days that I get to worship him in the midst of difficulty, when my heart can be heavy, when I actually need to choose and determine and exercise faith. I'm not going to exercise too much faith in heaven, I don't think. I think I'm going to give adoration to God, I'm going to receive his love, but I'm not going to have to exercise faith. So now we get the opportunity to exercise faith. So it's important that we do talk through with God all the stuff that is bad, rubbish, horrible in our lives and in the world, but let's not, let's not just stay there. Because actually I think, no, 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 God also wants to talk to us about the wonder and the joy and the beauty and the good trees and the things to say thank you for. Jesus tells us that our lives are at their best when we simply walk and talk with him. Listen to the message version of Matthew 6.6. 6. It says this, Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simple and honest as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you'll begin to sense his grace. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you're dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. With a God like, with a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply. So keep it simple. Number two, keep it real. As I said, Jesus told us, keep it real. The Bible's very honest. The Bible is so honest that sometimes it's us who gets uncomfortable with things, not the Bible. I think in the West, we love logic, we love reason, we love answers, we love solutions. We don't like pain, we don't like disappointment, we don't like unanswered things. Yet the Bible talks about all those things. In Luke 18, verse 9 to 14, we haven't got time to read it now, but there's a fantastic story a parable, really, with a, with a tax collector and a Pharisee. And the Pharisee prays to impress people and talking about how wonderful he is, blah, blah, blah. And the tax collector is just saying, God, I'm, 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 I'm a sinner. I don't even deserve to come into your presence. And Jesus is very clear, saying to the crowd, who do you think? Who do you think God listened to? He says he listened to the tax collector. Why? Because it's not about the level of sin, as it were. It's because he's being real. 
He's not, he's not praying for show. He's praying to God. So we can be real. There's no reason to pretend. God knows you. God knows what you've done. He knows your thought life. He knows everything about you. And he can handle you. So keep it real. And finally, they say, keep it up. Sometimes we don't know how to pray. We don't know what to pray. Sometimes we feel like we've prayed and, and, and nothing's answered. We've got two options. We either give up or we pray again. The answer is always to pray again and pray again and pray again and pray again. I suspect there's going to be things I'm going to die praying for. That's all right, isn't it? Because the alternative is that I give up. And I can't find a verse in the Bible that gives me permission to give up. <laughs> and God knows what we're trying to express to him. God knows what's in our hearts. It's not about the quality of how well crafted or articulated our prayers are. Romans 8, 26, verse 27. In the same way, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, helps us in our weakness. We do not know what, what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. There's this wonderful thing that actually as we pray, the Holy Spirit is helping us. The Holy Spirit is helping us to pray. He's praying for us. He's even searching the mind of God and searching our fumbled, stumbling, blah, 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 as we pray. I've never prayed well for a war. I'm ne I don't know, how do you pray well for a war? I don't know what to say, God. But it's all right. Why? Because in here, I know I need to pray that God's peace will come wherever there is a war. And it's not going to depend on the quality of my prayer, but as Christians, we're told to pray. And so we pray with our best mumbly, stumbly, blah, blah, blah kind of prayer. And it's okay because the Holy Spirit knows what's in our hearts and God can understand it. And similarly, the Holy Spirit can take what's on God's mind and give it to us. And the Holy Spirit can stand, as it were, and intercede for us and pray. So we don't need to stop because of disappointment, discouragement, or anything like that. We can keep it up. Okay, this is the moment. You can turn over your pieces of paper, I know, and you will find more words. I'm now going to tell you how you can take your ordinary prayer life and make it extraordinary next week. You see, if you add one thing to the ordinary, it's just become extraordinary. No, that was worth a better reaction to that. If you do something and it's what you normally do and then you add one thing, it's become extraordinary. Okay, so what does that mean for prayer? It means if you deliberately add one thing to your prayer life this week that you didn't do last week, it will become an extraordinary prayer week. Kind of. That's, that's what I'm saying. And it's kind of true. And so here I've put down, uh, again, from the prayer course, a couple of ideas as to how you can either spend 10 minutes or 30 minutes and you can pray. And there are loads of tools like this. But you don't need to be overwhelmed. If you don't know where to start or restart, here's a place where you can start. Just make the decision to, no, I'm going to spend 10 minutes. I'm going to spend 20. I'm going to spend 30 minutes. And I'm going to do this on a daily basis. 
And I'm going to see what God will say. And I'm going to see what he'll prompt me to say to him. Can I say, I have found that if I don't set a dedicated time to do something like this each day, number one, the quality of my relationship with God definitely goes down. And number two, I am much less likely to hear God through the day. It's not about doing this and then saying to God, done me 10 minutes, I'm clocking off now for the other 23 hours and 50 minutes. It's no, no, God, I love you and you're wonderful and you love me. I am going to make this a priority, carve out the time, do this, and it will be meaningful in and of itself because you never know what God might say. But also, when I do that, it's like I've become a radio and somehow I've tuned my spiritual antenna into heaven and I'm much more likely to hear God as I go through the rest of the week. So I'm going to end. I'm just going to pray for us now. And I'm just going to pray that however God wants you, that all of us would do something in this week coming that would grow our prayer life and that we would take the time and that we would keep it simple and keep it real and keep it up. And we'll see what God will do. Lord Jesus, I, Lord, I want to pray for myself and my brothers and sisters. Lord, that in this week coming, Lord, we would, all of us, Lord, we would all of us spend time with you in prayer. Lord, in this way or in another way, whichever way works, Lord. And that we would, we would lift up things to you and we would hear you speak to us about things in our lives and in other people's lives. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help us, that you would speak, Lord, that you would amaze us, that you would keep us going. Lord, if it feels like we hear nothing, we pray, Holy Spirit, would you help us? Would you lead us? Would you give us faith and persistence? Lord Jesus, I ask it in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Great. Thanks, Kevin.